0: Content Warning, Sexual Assault, Slavery, Islamophobia, and... Butts. Action! Excitement! Horror romance! Thrills and chills! Swords and sorcery! Rockets and ray guns! A dizzying panoply of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination! What mad universe encompasses such tales as these? Welcome once again, Acolytes of Adventure, uh, to What Mad Universe. Um, we are still uh, technically on hiatus um, until uh, mid to late May 2023, as I as I record this. But we are still uh, putting up uh, these special minisodes, uh, which are episodes that we did uh, uh, during the last hiatus, which we made only available for Patreon subscribers. Uh, this is the third and uh, final Uh, of the Minisodes. Um, I'm Adam Prosser. With me, as always, is Philip Rice. Hello. And uh, today's episode is about uh, Red Sonja and Robert E. Howard's uh, disputed creation of her. Um, But um, I also wanted to mention right now that uh, we have a new sponsor, uh, or rather an entire new network. Uh, We're now on the uh, Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. So let's hear from them, our new sponsors, and we'll be right back after this. Today's show is brought to you by Epos Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, EPOS has everything you need to experience the power of audio. Like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset, the closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise, while the open version delivers natural high fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RGB configurations, just good design. Listeners can save by visiting wwwepostaudiocom gaming and entering code EPOSFRIEND15 at checkout to save 15%. We're
1: the Tokyo Fresh Podcast. I'm David. I'm Jordan. We're a comedy lifestyle podcast diving into the weird and interesting side of Japan. We often share stories about our lives in Japan, you know, and how you can avoid making the same mistakes. So, if you want to take advice from two idiots who have been living here far too long, check out the Tokyo Fresh podcast, only on the Tokyo Beat Network.
0: And uh, so, what we decided, as we as we said, we're uh, with our our uh, series that we're doing here. Uh, we're kind of looking at uh, stuff that's. Either uh, related tangentially to other episodes that we've done, um, either thematically or because we're looking at the same author, uh, and um, so, and we're looking at a series of short stories and so on. And uh, today's episode is uh, a look uh, once again at Robert E. Howard, uh, one of the seminal figures of the pulp, uh, the pulp world, um, who uh, wrote. Uh, a number of stories throughout the 1920s and early 1930s. Uh, of course, created Conan the Barbarian, as well as Sol- Solomon Cain, uh, Cole, and uh, a bunch of other characters, Bran Macmorn, um, And uh, he was sort of rediscovered and uh, dug out and became uh, very popular in the late 60s and early 70s to the point where uh, uh, the Conan stories became a uh, staple of comics, even at a time when superheroes were kind of taking over the entire uh, the entire medium. Uh, and Conan the Barbarian stories were extremely popular. They were some of the top-selling comics in the 1970s and uh, continued all the way up until the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. And,
1: uh, and I think they're doing course... fairly well nowadays because there's a lot yeah. of Marvel purchased uh, the rights to Conan again, and they're publishing like a lot of Conan comics. So I think... I think mm-hmm. they're they're finding success there,
0: right? And even before that, they did. Uh, the uh, uh, Dark Horse had the rights uh, yeah. in the early 2000s, and they did some actually very good Conan comics. Um, uh, in uh, uh, they started by Kurt Busiek. I was really impressed by those, and a number of other people took up the took up the slack from there. Um, so there were some really good. Yeah. So he's been a staple of comics since uh, I believe 1970. 71 is when the first Conan uh, comic hit the Hit the stands uh he was also uh in this in the mid 60s again because uh Howard only published um a relative handful i mean you know a couple books worth of conan stories but uh you know only three or four in the collected edition of howard uh stories there's uh, there's four volumes collecting but one of which is a novel he wrote the Hour of the dragon uh the other three are you know collecting all the short stories and novellas um, but, of course, other people have been writing new Conan material, uh, including uh, uh, publications uh, popular in the 60s and 70s, which uh, interspersed and re-edited uh, Howard stories and, and interspersed them with new, uh, new uh, stories by other authors.
1: Yeah, I, um, I re- when I was looking up uh, researching the Solomon Kane episode, uh, at least one of the stories, the one about pirates, was apparently rewritten as a Conan story for comics.
0: Yeah. Well, so, okay, well, that gets to uh, what we're talking about tonight, because especially in the comics, uh, as they needed more material for Conan stories, uh, what they started to do was to draw on Robert e. Howard's other characters and other stories that he'd written, of which he'd written many, uh, in addition to outright fantasy characters like Conan and Kull, he, he, uh and Solomon Kane to an extent. He, of course, wrote a lot of historical adventure, some of which had fantastical elements, like Solomon Kane. Uh, but some of which were just straight-up standard historical adventure stories. And um, so the people who wrote uh, the Conan comics started to uh, rely on uh, the material that uh, Howard had written and, as you say, rewrite them as Conan stories uh, in some cases or borrow from them in a variety of other ways. And that's how we got to the subject of today's episode— uh, the character of Red Sonia, who uh you know I I don't have
1: you ever uh, read any of the I read uh, uh, Gail Robotics? Simone's run when it came out at the time. Um, yeah, though that was that was years ago, but yeah. Um, I only yeah. really remember some of the sort of running gags she did, but um, um like she she had a constant bit about uh, um, Red Sonia wanted to to sleep with someone, but she was too smelly and got rejected. Um, <laughs> that's like that yeah. kept coming up <laughs> he, that seems to have
0: been gail simone's uh idea for sure yes um yeah she's a character um she's very much the kind of character who uh is grounded in the 70s because she is the archetypal uh warrior babe in a chainmail bikini um that is that became kind of a running though from my understanding
1: uh, she wasn't like that was a few issues in that they came yes. up with that
0: costume like she well, i i I'm going to talk about okay. that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't how she was originally conceived, but that is how everyone knows the character and remembers the character. Um, but yes, that, that wasn't how she, that wasn't how she started out. Um, but that, that is, that became her classic look because it was the seventies and comics were campy and, and sexy and weird. Um, so they weren't afraid to just, uh, stick, stick that in there. Um, But yes, the character. So the character was in fact created by Robert E. Howard, which is why we're, uh, which is why we're going to talk about her uh, today. Uh, Specifically, he wrote a historical adventure story um, about a character named Red Sonia of Rogatino, and this is actually set in the uh, mid, uh, uh, I believe, the 1500s during one of the numerous attempts uh, by the Ottoman Empire to invade Europe, Um, and a, a number of uh, there were a number of attempts uh, in this period by, and in fact, oh, all through the Middle Ages, really. I mean, uh, they, it goes back to the Battle of Tours with uh, when Charlemagne uh, repelled the Moorish forces. Uh, so that's been a constant thing of Europe trying to invade the Middle East and the Islamic Empire, and the Islamic Empire trying to invade Europe. They went back and forth, and they were in kind of a stalemate for a thousand years. Uh, so one it, of the later also attempts... is
1: a bit of an oversimplification saying just Christendom versus the Islamic world because both of those worlds were you know different countries uh within it like that often warred with each other so like a lot of people's you know you see modern you know far-right people say you know the Islamic world invaded you know Christendom all these times but a lot of those were just you know different countries invading each other and you know Right, it's like yeah, not, that, that, not a concerted effort. It, it sort of became that during the Crusades, but even that was um, mm-hmm. often directed against uh, um, Christians living in those areas or Jewish people or that sort of thing. Like it was, it was a, right. a, a huge money-making operation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. In a lot of I mean, cases, in a lot of because Crusades lasted a long time and there were lots of different ones. But yeah.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. It's it's a, it's an extremely. I mean, we're talking about a thousand years of history. There were all kinds of ebb and flow of different uh, motivations, different different attempts to do things. I mean, the initial I I, I mentioned the the Battle of Tours, which is when uh, the you know Islam was expa- its initial Islamic expansion, which uh, ended up to Europe, but it expanded all through North Africa. It went east. It went all in all directions, basically, um, and that so that wasn't you know it wasn't directed towards uh christendom as they say it wasn't directed towards europe in particular it was just kind of expanding in all directions very rapidly uh then of course you had as you say the crusades which were essentially a a land grab in the in this in the the framework of a a religious war and um but this is uh so this is the ottoman empire uh which was a you know a pretty well-established uh uh nation at that time uh, that was generally held back by the sort of remnants of the byzantine empire uh, for many years uh, famously um uh, uh vlad tepesh dracul of aka count dracula of or, or, uh, wallachia Dr-
1: dracul was his father he was dracula
0: ah, okay. son of the dragon well,
1: yeah. son of the dragon
0: yeah <laughs> well he was anyway they he he was the uh, famously he he played a large role in uh, in uh fighting the Ottoman Empire as they tried to, uh, tried to, uh, battle the, the, again, I say the Byzantine Empire, it's, it's, it gets a little complicated at this point. So it was kind of the tattered remnants of the Byzantine Empire rather than the Byzantine Empire itself. Um, but yeah, anyway, the, at that point, there was a lot of, uh, back and forth throughout Greece, Turkey, Eastern Europe, uh, and the Middle East. Uh, in which the various countries there were uh, fighting back and forth. So this story is actually set at that particular point in history, uh, in which a number, and and Howard has semi-accurately and semi-inaccurately, uh, a number of different uh, European countries there, sort of hanging around at the siege of uh, of, of the city of um, Vienna. Okay, so they're sieging, yeah, they're, this is the siege of Vienna. Um I, I believe this is the same uh, time period that um, uh, was in the. If you've seen the Terry Gilliam movie, um, uh, "The Adventures of Baron Munchausen," uh, it's also describing the Ottoman uh, siege of Vienna. Okay. Uh, which yeah, which was uh, which was uh, successfully repelled uh, by the Austrians. Um, leading to, uh, a- as it happens, <laughs> in a roundabout way, over the course of a hundred years, that led to the geopolitical framework that led to World War One, uh, because the uh, that that was in some ways the birth of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to make a claim of a historical, uh, <laughs> a deep historical knowledge here, but I know that uh, you know the Austro-Hungarian Empire standing against the Ottoman Empire, uh, that that arrangement still existed in the early 20th century and was, uh, you know, this is why the Ottoman empire got involved in world war one as well. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, sort of the, uh, the Austro-Hungarian empire was rising at this time and became, it became known as the Holy Roman empire. And again, there's, there's a lot of very complicated history here that I, I, I am in no way an expert on, or even know that much about. Um, All that matters for our purposes here is that there was a big siege by uh, the ottomans uh on vienna and there was there were a lot of uh, mercenaries and a lot of people uh coming in from uh, from all over europe to repel the siege not necessarily if for out of any sort of bold uh uh you know bold uh uh nob- nobility but just because it was where the action was as it were and so that so in this story what we see is uh is these two um these actually two fighters and red sonya is only really one of them uh the other one is uh von kalmbach who is a german uh fighter and uh i'm not wrong right he's basically conan if he was like a german guy right yeah
1: i mean that's like, most it, of howard's main characters but uh, from what i've yeah.
0: read but yeah yeah as as i said there was a, a whole thing where um uh like uh, when moorcock later started writing about the eternal champion and his characters all being sort of reincarnations from one another as we said in uh, one of the episodes it it kind of feels like he was t- taking that idea from Howard because Howard tended to write the same character but transplanted into all these different historical periods
1: yeah um, and and it, it explicitly like um Bran MacMorn is related to Call or no um Cull yeah that's right no no I think he was related to uh uh Cull's friend the picked I think he was like but anyway, yeah, there was a connection. Right, there.
0: yeah, anyway, yeah, it's that's right. Um, no, I, I thought it was Cull himself, but maybe I'm wrong. I, yeah, I, I, anyway, I could
1: be wrong as well. It's been a long time since yeah. I
0: read that, but yeah. And he he does make some ties between Cull and uh, Conan as well. Like uh, Conan has, um, uh, you know, Atlantean descent, even though the Atlanteans were completely lost by the time of Conan's rise. But yeah, he's, he's clearly, and even Solomon Kane, as we said, he has this sense of being somewhat conan like even though he exists in a very different context and you'd expect him to be a very different character but he mostly just borrowed the fact that he was a grim you know fighter and you know with a wild streak of rage burning in him um and in fact what's interesting is that even red sonya uh and then dark agnes who's a character I'm going to talk about in a moment um they they have the same element of being conan but a girl <laughs> like uh, yep. you, you can you can kind of feel the same thing like he just uh, he just wrote uh, the same character but he 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 gender flipped them um and and the relationship between uh, von kalmbach and uh and uh and red sonja is very much the relationship between conan and and red sonja and in in that it's just it's a basically a competitive one it's you know how can who can kill more of the enemy than we can Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, she's very belligerent and I- interestingly, she's not as much a part of the story as you'd expect. Um, she is actually, um, uh, pretty, uh, she's, she's, she's important to the plot because she's the sister of the Sultan's Yeah, concubine. but she's not the focus. Right. Yeah, like von Kalmbach is the main character. And but it's it's kind of a Watson and Holmes situation in, in that von Kalmbach's kind of talking about it as oh yeah, there was this girl I was uh, I, I encountered in the siege. Like that was an incredible experience. Um, in this story, the, the sultan, who starts off as almost a sympathetic character in a weird way, like we get it from his perspective, but eventually he's revealed to be somewhat villainous because he does, well, villainous from the historical perspective, but he also unleashes the titular vampire, uh, a, a character named uh, Mikal Oglu, to just go and rampage through uh, Austria and, and Eastern Europe. And-
1: Vulture. You keep saying vampire. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's because I'm thinking of Dracula, what can I say? Uh, and also, uh,
1: Shadow the Vampire
0: is a movie about Nosferatu. <laughs> so... Yeah. Right. It, and they start with V. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the vulture is Michael Oglu. Ag- he's just a guy who uh, who is legendary for, you know, in, for being bloody-handed mass murderer, and he's just set loose to unleash uh, chaos throughout the countryside, and uh, basically, von Kalmbach and Red Sonya manage to... Uh, defeat him that's that's really the whole story um it it's weird because they set up this whole dynamic about red Sonia having a you know personal enmity against the sultan because again her her sister who was kidnapped apparently and sold to the sultan into slavery uh but now she thinks he, she's like the, the i guess the, the the puppet master of the sultan and who's she's she's gone against her own people or whatever um She's uh, trying, you know, so she's got, she's sort of sworn vengeance against the Sultan and her uh, her sister as well. And that whole dynamic, like, that's kind of an interesting dynamic, but there's only this one story, and they never develop any for, any further.
1: Um, yeah, and that's not used in the comic version. Right, yeah. To my knowledge, it, I mean, it might have at some no, point. but
0: No, no, I don't believe it is. Like, I mean partly because she's transplanted into it a... now the okay so the reason that uh the red Sonia in the comics wears that outfit uh she's initially introduced if you in the in the, the early Conan stories before she gets her own spinoff um she's introduced as a um wearing a chainmail shirt which is what she does and she wears that in the in the story as well um but like a protective chainmail shirt um and which is funny because she walks around with like uh with bare legs but she's got a chainmail shirt
1: well um, i mean conan's always depicted in the comics as walking around with no shirt to be fair i mean right yeah, they're, yeah. They're, it's not really <laughs> realistic armor. i mean i know there, there's a difference in in um how it's framed and all that but i mean um the books uh actually generally generally have realistic armor but the depictions on covers and comic right. adaptations they're usually fairly naked Yeah, that
0: became a. I mean, Frank Frazetta, especially, uh, became that man. Did
1: not uh, like drawing clothes or painting clothes. (laughs) It just, yeah, like everybody just, you know, Mm -hmm. butts and (laughs) he liked he liked uh, the human form. Like he was an equal opportunity. uh, Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, portrayer
0: of yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is I mean, which is only fair because that's how. um, Which is only fair because that's how um, the uh, the. you know the, the the you know that's been painting for centuries. Yeah. You know whenever we find an excuse to get, make them naked and you do it. <laughs> um, again, both genders. Uh, but yeah, it's it, but it is definitely a function of having been uh, the '70s, I think, like Frazetta, um and shaping that mindset, and then oh, we
1: should say the comic the version comics. was created by Roy Thomas and Barry Smith. And yes, um, that's right. It's also yeah. uh, this is kind of irrelevant, but the comic version is spelled Sonia with a J. And in the original story, was Sonia with a Y?
0: Right, right. But it is meant to be the same character. Yeah, like they did explicitly say, yeah. Uh, let's. What if we transplanted her to the hybrid? Oh yeah, generation. yeah.
1: Um, but I, I think it's it's important to point out creators. And I believe the mm-hmm. um, the uh, film version, which mm-hmm. uh, I haven't bothered to see, but uh, apparently it credits Robert E. Howard with the creation of the character. Right, and not, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, and not. Oh, uh. Yeah, might credit Roy Thomas. I'm not sure, but yeah. No,
0: it's true. I mean, Roy Thomas, it's one of those uh, Stanley Chris Claremont things where, you know, the character was technically created by someone, but it evolved in such a different direction. Yeah. Um, Barry, Barry Windsor Smith was the uh, artist on Conan for the first few years. He was very famous for that. Um, and um, and yeah, so at a certain point in the storyline, um, Red Sonja is uh, actually uh, in... In, in the type of twist that would happen in those story in the comics a lot uh, she was because it was written by horny nerds um, he, she was uh sold into uh, or she was caught and and turned into a, a concubine uh, possibly I, I haven't read the actual story but I th- it might have been as part of a uh, part of an operation to actually get close to this uh leader and and off him so she may have intended to go undercover uh but it also might have been that she was caught and put in her uh, put in this costume which is you know the, the the that's the chainmail bikini so even in the original story it was meant to be kind of a you know a ludicrous sexy thing uh and it was so like popular like a princess leia
1: it. slave leia thing right
0: yeah, exactly. It was the same kind of situation. And, of course, that became so iconic that that became her look, even though it makes, you know, no sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, um, I, I think some... Of the, definitely in the in the Simone run, uh, she wore different outfits at different times. So, like, that was just yeah. one of them. So, yeah. I think that's a way of handling it. Like, you can keep the costume, but, like, not the thing she wears into actual war, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it, it's funny because uh, the... the um, the uh, the Robert E. Howard stories, you know, there's a serious note to Conan, right? Like, yeah. Um, but but in the comics, there's always it just by virtue. The world of comics has always been a little bit sillier and a little bit campier, and I mean, especially being published by Marvel Comics. Um, and uh, that did start to bleed into the comics a bit more, and and so it, it, you know, Red Sonia is always. I, I I I think Red Sonia can exist on her own. As that kind of character, uh, but you have to treat it a little more tongue in cheek, a little more removed from from reality, and so she's always been a slightly awkward fit with uh, Conan uh, in that regard because you, it's hard to have a serious Conan story when you've got Red Sonia there because she she exists in this sort of '70s porno chic uh, world that is a slightly different from his vaguely more serious pulp uh, story uh there's also uh, unfortunately a bit of a her her origin in the comics which is not in the story uh has to do with sexual assault and uh and and some other issues yeah Uh, she's
1: that's often ignored by modern versions like completely um, yeah like it's not mentioned in the gail simone run at all yeah there was a, I I did actually
0: read the story because the, the idea was that she was out for revenge and they actually did bring kind of a clever ending to that storyline. Obviously obviously she kept going, but they did like, they did a story and it was revenge, you know, is pointless. You can't ever find revenge. She, she did actually uh, discover the person who had assaulted her and uh, he was, but he'd been possessed by some kind of demon who she'd had to battle. And, um, she was able to drive out the demon and the guy was left there, but he was just a shell. He was completely, he had no mom, no mind left because the demon had taken it from her, uh, t- taken it from him. So she had no one to get revenge on at that, point. like she could technically kill him, but you know, he, he was long gone essentially. Uh, which is, that was, that's somewhat clever as a story, uh, as a story beat. I think it's, it's kind of a, you know, revenge benefits, no one kind of story. Um, yeah, but There's it, also... it
1: doesn't quite work paired with the sexual assault story.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, that's as, as we said, it was it was sort of a, a, a that be, that was the point where that was becoming a bit too much of a go to for comics writers. Yeah, uh,
1: unfortunately, and uh, that was and, and, and it she, is. She originally had a thing in... where she wouldn't sleep with any man who couldn't best her in battle. That was her, right? Right, and
0: that is and it is that is somewhat in the original story. Although they did. Um, they don't emphasize it as much, but in the Robert E. Howard story, she does talk about how you know. I, I believe uh, she and von Kalmbach have a competition. And he says, "Well, if I kill more of the opponents, will you will you sleep with me?" <laughs> Basically, um, and he doesn't actually. He doesn't beat her. Um, so as a, and they become sort of brothers, comrades in arms, rather than uh, rather than lovers, um, which is really interesting. I guess it's somewhat implied they might eventually become lovers, but it's not made clear because the the last moment of the story is just. From the Sultan's point of view, he just sees uh, the head of Mikhail Oglu being returned to him by uh, Von Kalmbach and, and Red Sonja. So, um, you know, we don't really know what happened to them. We don't even see them defeating Mikhail Oglu. It happens off, off stage. Um, it's just, yeah, they defeated Mikhail Oglu. Um, it's, it's, it's an okay story, uh, but what's actually interesting is that uh, another character uh, Rod, Robert E. Howard created uh named uh dark agnes of chastelon uh who was a medieval french uh warrior woman um honestly she feels a lot more like the basis for red Sonia than um than this uh than the actual character named red Sonia. so i was reading those stories and um there's there's two and then a draft which was rewritten later in the 70s uh so it's kind of half robert e howard so basically two and a half stories um she, and they're interesting because they're told from the perspective of Agnes. She's actually the she's actually the uh, the viewpoint character. So it's Robert E. Howard writing as this woman, uh, medieval French woman uh, whose father was a soldier, uh, who's, you know, and, and she has kind of, she's escaping from rough circumstances uh, from an abusive household. So that you can see that element there, but it's it's a little less uh, extreme than in the comics. And she's going to be married off to like her local rich uh, rich guy who she hates. And she basically kills him and runs off on her wedding night. Uh, falls in with a rogue uh, who tries to double cross her, and she basically catches him and uh, shames him into becoming a better person. And uh, she becomes a warrior. And then she gets trained by a, a, an, a local warrior who tends out to be very skilled with the sword. And she becomes like a very good uh, swords person. And uh, so that's the. Her origin story very much smacks of a somewhat less sleazy version of Red Sonja um, and she also has red hair and is a, a you know a warrior woman who becomes you know the equivalent of any man. Uh, it, it's wild that she's uh, these stories were written in the 20s and 30s. They, I, I don't believe they were actually the Dark Agnes stories I don't believe were ever actually published until.
1: No they they were uh, posthumous publish- right. publications. Right. Because he wrote a lot I of, I think much later. I think like they, yeah, it looks like they weren't published until like the seventies. Yeah, right, mid
0: seventies. So it's 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 the kind of thing where it might have like because they had just come out and there was a, a resurgence of interest in Robert E. Howard, of course, partly due to the Marvel Comics, although that had started earlier. Um, and uh, I think that's um, that's that, I definitely think she had an impact on Red Sonja, because uh, even though the character had existed by the time the stories were being republished, uh, you can see so many elements of her. You know, character as a solo adventurer. I think she was, you know, she was a sidekick to Conan for a long time. Uh, when she, once she, by the time she got her own story, I think that, uh, I think that took took shape around Dark Agnes. Uh, and and the stories are really interesting because they were written, as I say, in the twenties and thirties. I'm not sure exactly when he wrote them, uh, but it really it it feels very feminist, for lack of a better word, um, even though. You know, Robert E. Howard is the last person you'd think of as a feminist, and he often had very problematic female characters. Uh, he would often write them as, you know, like, you know, the classic Frank Frazetta image of, you know, the strong barbarian hunk with a, a woman like a naked woman grasping his leg as you know monsters close in and all that kind of thing. Um, that's that's not completely inaccurate to the original Howard stories, but then every so often he'd turn around and write a really like powerful female character, including not, not necessarily a fighter. Some of them were like royalty or whatever, but he was like, it, it's, it's surprisingly good for that era uh, in terms of uh, being just willing to being willing to write a, a female fighter. Um, there are still issues. There's still things like, you know, Oh, they're, uh, they're portraying them as a, um, you know, oh, uh, you're, 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 you have a man's spirit in a woman's mm-hmm. body is something that even, even Dark Agnes says, uh, you know, that she feels that way and, and she'd rather live a man's life than get married like a woman's. And there's, so there's a bit of a gender essentialism going on, essentially. But they do explicitly, uh, point out that there were female warriors, including, of course, Joan of Arc, uh, but also, uh, a number of other, uh, number of other, uh, fighters at the time. Yeah. Uh, and there's are, also like,
1: it's also a classic thing in, in ballads and whatnot, like Maid Marian early on was actually depicted as a fighter occasionally. There's right. uh, there's one story where uh, she and Robin Hood are both in disguise and they don't recognize each other and they get into a, a fight and fight each other to a standstill before right. realizing each other's identity, which is interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it, it's that feels yeah. like a modern thing, but it's actually something that the modern stories have lost, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 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 been yeah, there's definitely been folk tales and historical like real characters in history who get kind of folklorized. Uh, who a bodega, have been, you know, yeah, a bunch of uh, yeah, Boudica. Boudica is explicitly mentioned. Oh, I in always the, pronounce uh, that wrong. Yeah, yeah, she's she's mentioned in the Dark Agnes story specifically as oh yeah, the great Celtic warrior queen Boudica. Uh, and um, yeah, there, so the, the the you know Howard of course was a big history. Reader and so he was a you know he always loved historical adventures and there's also the the element of uh there are a number of uh women over the over history who have dressed as a man uh to go off to fight in wars uh you know from but again both in folk tales and in real life Mulan and, and all, yeah M- Milan, yeah um
1: yeah but that's like a a thing that uh, a lot of stories have um yeah and yeah and, it has happened on occasion.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that's happened in real life, and in fact, it's you know a lot of people pointed to that as you know, well, they they may in fact have been trans, uh, you know, yep. and they want, but but it's also true that you know if you're a woman, you didn't yet, yeah, if you you know at certain times yeah, in history, it's, you had it's limited hard
1: options. To, it's hard to retroactively apply some of these uh, sort of not modern concepts per se, but modern understandings of the concepts. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like gay and straight even weren't really a thing at certain points. Right, right, like in ancient yes. Greece and whatnot. Um, like you, you but, wouldn't, you wouldn't say somebody's gay because mm-hmm. you know every yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was more, cult, the culture was different around it. Yeah. Um, and and how it was related to things.
1: Uh, but but it was
0: also true that um, there definitely were some uh women who really took to um, dressing up as men and and yeah. being you know <laughs> like that was beyond just I did this to survive. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the, there's an element. example
1: of a. a that I recently learned about a, a French athlete who dressed as a man and had a hysterectomy, and um, this person ended up collaborating with the Nazis and being a terrible person, but, you know, it's a thing that happened mm-hmm. in history. Right. right, yeah, there's
0: been a number of... of um, um, there was pope, pope Joan, was a, the, there was yeah. a Pope who was a woman, no, <laughs> and things like that. Not No, yeah.
1: not, Pope Joan is, is not a real person, but it, it's a myth. But um, it was a thing that was believed for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. doesn't, it definitely didn't happen, but... Yeah. And Howard is, even
0: though nobody uh, really mistakes um, Dark Agnes for a uh, 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 for a, a man at any point, she does, ex- they do say she's dressed as a man. At one point, he dresses, uh, you know, she dresses up as a man to ride by Etienne's side to get away from her family, and he kind of goes, maybe this will disguise you as a man, and he goes, not really, we can all tell you're a woman.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, but, there's um, also... It, um... Also, another historical example uh, from the uh, 1700s, uh, Julie D'Aubigny, uh, or La Maupin, uh, right, was right. A, um, a French uh, a female opera singer, uh, swordswoman, and um, all-around awesome person uh, who often dressed as a, dressed in men's clothing, like not trying to disguise mm-hmm. her gender, but you know, just sort yeah. of uh, flaunting in in men's clothing. Uh, had yeah. duels with people. Uh, um there' there's stories of her like uh, affairs with both men and women and there's story there's mm-hmm. one possibly apocryphal story of uh um the father of one of her female conquests uh put uh his daughter in a nunnery uh to get her right. away from from uh lemopan lemopan disguised herself as a nun. Broke in, uh, fake their death, and burn the place down. It's
0: a common thing, a hundred percent.
1: It it was definitely, and it's actually worth noting that in the
0: 1920s, which is when Howard was writing. Admittedly, he was out in rural Texas, so he wasn't like living in the big city or anything. But it was certainly that was a time when uh, homosexuality was getting a little more mainstream, at least among the very upper classes, and dressing in like women dressing in men men's clothing was actually a bit of a thing you would sometimes see in 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 elite circles yeah um, like
1: the um uh in the 30s uh there's famous pictures of uh oh sorry i'm blanking on her name german actress uh,
0: uh um uh marlena Dietrich. yeah yeah
1: um her yeah. in a tuxedo mm-hmm. that was very iconic yeah, the
0: the the Janelle Monet thing of a woman in a tuxedo was actually you you know you could see it in the twenties at some point and at some point. Plus, you had people like Amelia Earhart and a few other women pilots who were uh, you know pursuing that as a line of uh, thing. There was a bit of a you know it's it's a bit of a stretch to say feminism was exploding in the twenties, <clears> but <throat> there had definitely been a bit of a boom uh, for uh, uh, I, you know yeah, women to um, pursue s- masculine.
1: Yeah also uh, uh up to you know World War II which was a big um big uh, increase in, in women being allowed to work and um mm-hmm. uh stuff and then uh, the 50s was largely a black backlash to that progress and right. uh, we think of the 50s as like the past you know like how it used to be but it was only like that for like a a few like in the 50s and early 60s like it's Um, Mm -hmm. it's largely a backlash to the progress that had been made before.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, It was, yeah, it was, it was, there was a reactionary element starting after World War II, the forties and fifties of, you know, get back to the kitchen. Women had been doing so much on the home front during World War II.
1: Yeah. And and like, even in like some like early post-World War II movies, you still see like, uh, women cab drivers and stuff, um, in mm -hmm. like, um the big sleep and some other things um i wanted to uh briefly touch on because it's important for red sonya i think uh mm-hmm. of um yes uh who is um i I'd, I'd like to do a full episode on this because i actually have a copy of this book i've only read one story so far but yeah uh, um yeah i'd i'd like to read these stories um uh, this is a character created by C.L. Moore, who also created Northwest Smith, who we did an episode on, the uh, the space cowboy guy, um, Han Solo meeting Cthulhu sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and um, this was her other sort of big um, recurring character that she wrote. Um, and the first story was uh, published in 1934, which is the same year as the Red Sonja story. So... It's it's a right. probably a case of parallel evolution, like both. Well, in fact, okay, I, that's
0: actually okay. interesting because the intro that I uh, that I read was by Lee Brackett, uh, who again was the creator of um,
1: uh,
0: uh, Eric, Eric John Eric, Stark. Uh, Eric John Stark, and um, she was writing in the seventies, uh, but it sounds like uh, C. L. Moore and Robert E. Howard did know each other, did read each other's work, and that C. L. Moore was. Uh, a big fan of the Dark Agnes stories, and so even though they weren't published, uh, there were some people who had read them because the okay. you know the writer circles that that existed, as for instance between Lovecraft and uh, Robert e. Howard, uh, they were reading each other's stories and commenting on them. So apparently, C. L. Moore was a big fan of Red Sonia, and it's quite er, possible Dark Agnes, or er, Dark Agnes, right, not Red Sonia. Uh, but it does sound like the two of them were influencing each other, and 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 again, Moore wrote very excitedly about dark Agnes as a character. Okay. She said she was great. So, so it might um, be a I,
1: case of like both of them influencing each other rather than like it being a one way thing. Like they both could have been building off each other's ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this well, it's just like with Lovecraft,
0: like yeah. lo, you can see Lovecraftian entities in Robert Howard's work. So this is probably the same thing. Like yeah. they were discussing and, things and back, and back and forth.
1: forth and like, um, yeah. Robert E. Howard stuff appears in Lovecraft as well. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Jarrell, uh, Is uh, also a warrior woman Uh, they're very she's the viewpoint character or like it's not written first person but like she's the she's the person the story follows Um, she's a beautiful woman with red hair uh, yellow eyes so that sets her apart a little bit Um, and it's set in um, in France um, in the medieval period it's it's a little unclear exactly when it's set but Vaguely medieval period, and there's you know sword and sorcery stuff going on. Um, the only one I've read is the crossover they did with uh, that uh, Moore wrote with uh, Northwest Smith, which involved uh, time travel, of course, magical time travel with, and they're they're apparently um, related to each other by blood, so that's why they were able to link with each other. And then they, um, it does. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the Northwest Smith episode, but it did the usual thing where they. Um, you know, superhero comic book thing where they uh, they fight for a bit, then they're mates and they team up against a bigger threat. Right. Yeah, um, you can see how
0: the comic book crossover element erodes from the pulps in yeah. Howard and Moore and people like that. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said, I've only read one of these stories and it's only half of her story, so but I'd like to to read the rest and do an episode on it this season. So that's something Yeah absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah, but yes,
0: no, it's it is definitely like and and yeah, Jor-el Jury was probably an influence on the comics Red Sonia as well, and even again the actual stories of Dark Agnes. So, but it, yeah, this is definitely a case where Moore and and Howard were probably talking to each other, and because Dark Agnes is also a French redheaded swordswoman, like yeah, <laughs> like it's a hundred percent they're 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 drawing from the same well at
1: the very yeah. least. Well, I mean uh, Joan of Arc was also that, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but this—the way this is framed. Yeah, yeah. The I know. Seems, I'm just saying, like they're yeah. they're they're both drawing on historical things, and yeah. as well as each other. I think so.
0: Yeah. Howard and it would seem. We again, I we haven't read the Jurell stories, but it seems more. Uh, we're not very interested in like saintly women. <laughs> they're yeah. both, uh, you know, they're both uh, rogues and 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 and.
1: Yeah. Uh, she you know. she seems uh, from the story I read. She seems like a full-on warlord, like very bloodthirsty.
0: Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so yes, we will cover Geology jury. But, uh, yeah, you can see how that was all part of the same, uh, same, same mix. So, uh, yeah, once again, uh, thanks for uh, reading this uh, special, or for uh, downloading this special um, uh, mini-sode, once again. Uh, again, uh, you can check us all out at uh, neversleepsnetworkcom slash series slash what-mad-universe for the regular website. Which has all the links to our Facebook page and all of our other social media stuff. Uh, as always, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at at WMU Podcast. Uh, Philip is at uh, at SpearHafOck with an F A. Spearhalfock A, and I'm at Prankster Thirty Six. Uh, if you want to follow us online, uh, we are doing one more of these minisodes, and then we're uh, going to be back. At the end of September, the beginning of October, uh, and
1: oh yeah, we, and we're also doing a, a special uh, episode on, um, or I guess it, it is a mini-sode, but it's sort of a combination of a bunch of um, yeah sp- early spacefaring stories.
0: Early space, we're going to do an episode about yeah early spacefaring stories. Uh, we haven't quite figured how that's going to fit into the whole uh, context at this point, but uh, we will let you know. Uh, again, we're, we're going to have these. Mini up every week uh, for four weeks. Uh, this is the third one. Um, but uh, anyway, so until then, we will see you soon and uh, take care for, look out for red-headed sword women.
1: <laughs> I always am. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. <laughs> okay.